When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And today we are very excited to be joined by our Arizona counterparts from Sporty with Corey and Richie. We are very happy to welcome Corey and Richie from our Arizona Coyotes podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. How are you two doing today? We're doing good. Um, Richie finally got me into sports betting because, you know, we're all sponsored by uh, uh, DraftKings here. So I finally did it for the first time and I'm not sure that it might not make me into a monster when I'm watching sports now. So it's been an interesting day for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. And Richie, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. We are recording on a Sunday afternoon. So my Rams have yet to play. They're playing the bears on Sunday night football. So if you ask me again in about eight hours, my, my tone may or may not change depending on the outcome of that game, but for now doing good, doing good on the uh, sports betting side of things today hitting a lot of unders that's what I was betting today and hit a lot of them so doing good thanks for asking very nice well hopefully the the fate of your football team fares a little better than ours but with that being said let's let's get into some hockey talk here because the Coyotes and the Sabres are not only in similar spots right now and that seemingly both teams are going to be tanking in this upcoming season But it's also in a similar spot to where they were in the 2014-15 season, the original tank off, if you will, where the Sabres and Coyotes were pretty much neck and neck the majority of the season and trying to tank for one of either Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel. Uh, Of course, the Sabres ended up with Jack Eichel with second overall, the Coyotes getting Dylan Strom third overall. So just to start off a bit, you know, going back to that time, because that's something that is, is still, believe it or not, a pretty relatively hot topic among the Sabres fan base is the tank of, of 2014-15. You know, back then, what do you think it was that's kind of gone wrong since that time in these past six years that has kind of led to the Coyotes being in this similar place? And is that time frame still like back then? Is that something that's talked about often within the, the Arizona hockey community? Um, the, probably the first thing that was probably the issue with that is uh, Dylan Strom in the first place. Uh, that didn't really help anyone um, in any way, shape, or form. We actually still make jokes about it to this day. Um, but uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of things that have gone on. I mean, everyone's been kind of noticing a lot of them because I feel like every time you blink, there's a new um, 
article about the coyotes that's kind of being passed around uh, the NHL. It's kind of funny. We really wanted more notoriety from everyone in the NHL, but I don't think in this particular way because it's been kind of scandal after scandal. But um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of trying to find a correct uh, GM. We went from Don Maloney, who was a very, um, you know, uh, boys club type of GM, very old school in the way that he liked to do everything. And then you went into John Chaika, who was the youngest GM that there ever was. And he was very analytical about everything. Everything with him was statistics, very robotic. And um, as someone who constantly thinks that chemistry on the ice and chemistry on a line and the D pairing is so important, I really thought that was always missing from his ability to really be able to choose people. And there's plenty of times um, Richie and I, after a draft, have literally looked at each other and gone, what the fuck did he decide to do there? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And um, you know, all of these times it was always like, well, just sit back and wait and trust that it's going to work out at some point, you know? Um, and, and even in the fact of like Barrett Hayton, we had kind of sat back and looked at it going that uh, really in that pick like that early. And then it was like, well, you know, it's very hard to find a really solid center in the NHL. And he was supposed to be, you know, like a like a Bergeron eventually and stuff. And, and even he is having a very slow time developing. And by the time this team comes around, he may actually be at the point where he, he's NHL ready, which is actually kind of sad because they've given him kind of two seasons to really kind of get under um, into kind of the groove of what he needs to be at NHL level. And he's, he's still a pretty decent ways off. So um, I think a large issue was trying to find correct um a correct GM. And then I think it was also trying to find correct ownership. I don't really think the ownership now is particularly what um, they need from like a uh, team standpoint, but it is what they need from a business standpoint. So take from that what you will. Okay. Uh, yeah. Richard, do you have anything to, to add in there? Well, I would say what, what went wrong for this team is that they accelerated their timeline too quickly and it's something that Corey and I have talked about on our show a little bit. And it's that they need to learn from those past mistakes. They need to stick to this new three to four year window. And I, what I mean by that is make sure you're not overexposing your younger prospects to the NHL level too quickly and basically wasting them away on a bad NHL roster when they could be learning and developing at the AHL level. And you guys are the perfect people to talk to you about this because I made the comparison before and I'm curious if you agree with me I made the comparison with Rasmus Dahlin and in my opinion at least from what I've seen with them he's I barely hear him talked about on the national level anymore I feel like he showed up at the NHL way too soon and if if the Sabres were smart they would still have him playing over in Europe or in the AHL and I hope the Coyotes learn from that too so that was their biggest mistake is they accelerated their timeline they try to go into win now mode a lot quicker than they should have. And unfortunately, it didn't pay dividends. Taylor Hall trade included, Phil Kessel trade included in that. And there was a couple of seasons there where, yeah, it was exciting. We were in the playoff fun, made the playoffs, lost to Colorado. That was great. Um, this season was disappointing for a lot of reasons. It just kind of went haywire there at the end with a lot of injuries. But yeah, I'd say that's what I would add on is it's, I hope they learn to be patient. Yeah, I would a say, lot. Oh, 
Oh, sorry, Taylor. I was just going to say one thing I, I would maybe slightly disagree in the case of Darlene, because I mean, when he came onto the scene in the NHL originally, you know, his first two seasons, he put up over 40 points. And I think the problem with him with why he really tapered off, which is something that I'm sure you guys can also relate to here is with just coaching. Ralph Kruger is, I think Taylor and I would probably both agree is arguably the worst coach coach in Sabres history and completely tried to reconstruct Darlene's game and take away from really what made him so successful in his rookie campaign. I believe historically he has the second most points ever by an 18 year old defenseman in like their rookie season. And I think for under 20 defensemen, I think he's also in the top three as well. So he, he started off his career well because at the time, Phil Housley, even though he was an absolute garbage coach too, he at least played Darlene to his strengths a bit, whereas Kruger tried to make him into something he wasn't. However, though, to your point, to the rest of the point, though, yeah, the Sabres are, are all too familiar with, uh, with rushing prospects and putting them in uh, less than ideal circumstances for their development. Taylor, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of what both you guys said, it sounds very familiar. Very. (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to go over some of the similarities uh, in in the paths we've taken in the the past seven years. So that that 2014-15 tank off, the Sabres went 23-51 and 8 with 54 points. Coyotes went 24-50 and 8 with 56 points. And then from then, the Sabres, uh, their following seasons, they had 81 points, then 78-62, which was last place again. Uh, then 76, 68 in the 69 games during the season that got cut off by the pandemic. And then last year, last place, a fourth time in eight years, uh, 37 and 56. Uh, and you guys uh, did not quit, quite hit those lows, uh, thankfully for you. Uh, but you had 78 points and then 70, 70, 86, 74 in the season that got cut off and obviously made the, play, the expanded playoffs and lost to Colorado. Uh, and then 54 and 56 games last year. So I, uh, I'm wondering... Was there a point or what point was it that you guys started to feel like the rebuild uh, was either going off the rails or was not going a plan? Well, I, I was, think it's a, do I record? I'm sorry. Oh, well, mine's actually going to be very short in the fact that like, I would say in the fact that this team got very stagnant and got so incredibly mediocre that you got used to mediocrity. Yeah. And yeah, to answer your question, I, I would say, at the time of the Phil Kessel trade and the Taylor Hall trade, it was very exciting. So I'd say for mo- for many Coyotes fans, I think we all kind of knew that this last, this most recent season was kind of their last hurrah with a lot of the guys. And it was their chance to either kind of make the playoffs and really prove themselves that Rick Tockett maybe could have stuck around as a head coach here and, and they could have continued on that path, but then they failed miserably in the last 20 games of the season and it went haywire. So like for me, I think we knew that this win now window in the last two seasons was, was about it. And then we knew we were going into a rebuild afterwards. And for what it's worth, Bill Armstrong is, is crushing it right now. And during this off season, he's getting a lot of high marks around the league. Corey and I have really liked what he's doing. And, at, and the Christian Dvorak trade hurt the Connor Garland trade hurt. Um, the Darcy Camper trade was expected, but, um, when you're doing a rebuild, you either got to go all in or, or not, because if you're not all in, then you're screwing yourselves over in the long haul. So, I mean, what do we got here? We got nine draft picks in the first two rounds of the first of the 22 drafts. So Bill Armstrong is doing a good job, I'd say. 
Yeah, that was actually going to be the next point I was going to bring up is just the ungodly amount of draft picks you have over the next next uh, few drafts for that matter, as you had said. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is where both of these teams are, as we had said at the top of the episode, is is in a place of pretty much a, a race to the bottom again. Um, I, I want to formally apologize to for you guys taking Carter Hutton off of our hands. You, you're you're not going to be happy. There's just no getting around it. We wanted to at least have you on to give you this warning and to let any other Arizona fans know that Edwin Carter Hutton is in net for you. You are not going to have a good time. But with that being said, you know, looking at the rest of the team, you still do have some some talent on the roster. I mean, at the top, at least, you know, you have Clayton Keller. Um, Jacob Chekrin has has become one of I mean, I, I think it's pretty safe to say probably in the top 10, like best defenseman in the league, at least young defenseman um, after a really nice breakout campaign last year. So th- there's definitely reasons to be optimistic there. And, you know, looking ahead to this season, I guess, what are really, you know, aside from trying to, to get, you know, win the lottery here, really, what are the, the goals and expectations that you have coming up for this season for the, the 21-22 Coyotes? For the most part, I would say we don't really have any big, like, goals from them as a team. And the fact that I just don't expect them to be very good. And, and I'm, I'm aware of that. It, a lot of our goals are going to be future goals and the fact that the one of the things that we really enjoy uh, about Armstrong is the fact that he is really actually putting a lot of focus onto scouting and development of um, some of the younger guys coming up into this team and that is uh, there's been a massive disconnect between um, between that and coming up a lot of the players that you see now and the ones that you really like are actually ones that were picked really, really far down. And um, they were the ones that actually like were able to spend the time down and really develop themselves and become like the players that you know today out of the Coyotes. There hasn't really been um, any top picks that were developed correctly as Richie was saying before. So it's more being able to see that. And then also to be able to see where things go arena wise. So it's not even on the ice. It's in the fact that um, this team has had been at war with Glendale for a very long time now. And so this will be the first time that we'll actually get to see um, kind of a, a fire lit under the ass of the coyotes and having them actually, you know, figure out where they're going to be and what their future is going to look like. Because if this really works out the way we all hope it will, um, then it's gonna, they're going to have some really great players coming up, options to get some really great players um, throughout the league, and they will also be in a brand new arena. So that would be absolutely beautiful, but it just has to work out correctly. Yeah, right. the, one th- the one thing I would add to that quickly, guys, is is – Outside of the on-ice success of the team, which is going to be piss poor, they're over-under, I believe, in terms of points is 66 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. The only team worse is the Sabres, I believe, who were 64 and a half. Yeah, so for me, it was – it's – I want to see what kind of culture the Coyotes' new head coach, Andre Torini, brings to the team. And I've made the comparison before – between what the Coyotes are trying to do with their new leadership group of Bill Armstrong and Andre Torini to what the Phoenix Suns did with James Jones and Monty Williams. Let's face it, 
Suns would never have made it to the NBA Finals if Monty Williams wasn't their head coach. He came in and he installed a brand new culture for for an organization that was the laughingstock of the NBA for a decade. And I hope that's what Andre Torini can bring to the organization. I really liked what I heard from him during his introductory press conference. I was fascinated on how he talked about his relationships with players and separating the player from the person. And, and I'm fascinated to see how he, because he's going to have to learn how to be an NHL head coach. That's a big thing to do coming from the junior ranks like he has. Um, he only has the one year, I believe, of, a, of NHL experience as an assistant coach. So for me, I'm curious to see the progression of Andre Torini as a head coach. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you do not want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 in any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that'll definitely be interesting. Uh, another, uh, I think, different development from maybe last time for both of our teams is in this early stage of the rebuild, you guys are going to have more of a veteran presence than, uh, than I think either of our teams did seven years ago. There is an interesting trade uh, you guys made with Vancouver, uh, trading Oliver ekman Larson for, I believe it was Beagle, Roussel, and Louis Erickson. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So what do you think that, that kind of adds having – guys like that. And I believe you have Andrew Ladd as well. So you have some guys who have been there before and had some success before in the NHL around uh, your, your younger guys. Are you excited about that? Did you like the trade? You want to go first in this one, Richie? Sure. Yeah. Cause I, I have some thoughts here. First of all, I know you would. The, yeah. First of all, as far as the veteran presence goes, it doesn't matter to me. The only reason they brought all those guys in is for one thing and one thing alone. They all have expiring contracts, ladies and gentlemen. So that means that money is coming off the books. Okay. After, after this season. So you're going to get younger. You're going to get cheaper. You're going to have a lot of cap space and it's, that's an asset. Okay. I know a lot. Sometimes people don't think about that being an asset, but it is, um, especially in today's NHL, where you're in a flat cap era now for these last couple of seasons. Um, it's tough to manage your cap. And I think the Coyotes bringing in these expiring contracts, getting rid of that goddamn Oliver Ekman-Larsen contract. Thank you, Jim Benning, for making that happen, <laughs> you dumb son of a bitch. I don't know why in the world they managed to pull the trigger on that trade, but for the Coyotes, uh, managing their cap space over the next couple seasons, huge. So as far as having a veteran presence, 
it doesn't matter. Like I was talking to somebody about like who might get this, the, the captain seeing assistant captains recently. It's like, I, I, I don't know. Like I, most of these guys are going to be gone. I don't really care about them either way. I just want Jacob Chicken to score 30 goals this year and get a Norris Trophy nomination. <laughs> Corey, yeah. yeah, I would. Uh, honestly, my two cents on it are about the same. Um, and that's why I kind of had Richie say it because he's a little bit more passionate about it than I am. But it, it, uh, <laughs> it's really the fact that like in the end, um, cap space is kind of like all this team really needed and the fact that um, Oliver Ekman Larson had them in for a very long, very expensive contract that he never really lived up to. And we've been trying to get rid of him for um, longer than we should have. And it just was very relieving to not have him around anymore because of the fact that it was just what was best for both of us. And the fact that his career had gotten very stagnant here in Arizona. And then um, when it came to hit, so when him leaving, I think was always going to be the best thing for him and for his career. And then he may actually turn it around to some degree, but I just, I don't know. I didn't see anything good coming from Oliver Ekman Larson staying here. He was never the leader that they needed him to be. He was never the player they needed him to be. It was just time to move on. Well, and speaking of departures, too, I'm kind of curious because the Sabres have also had a couple of key departures. Uh, one on the blue line, which in a similar vein to you that we were pretty happy about losing Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, the cap situation there was a bit less uh, dire, that we'll say, than the than the Ackman Larson deal. But at the same time, you know, we had talked about Christian Dvorak before, who, of course, was a very valuable piece. Um, you also lost Connor Garland, too, which I'm sure losing both of those guys probably didn't feel too good. And again, another parallel, the Sabres, of course, lost Sam Reinhardt, traded him to the Florida Panthers, seemingly are going to be trading Jack Eichel, would, could be any day now, potentially, who knows. Uh, but we've been saying that for a bit. So I'm just kind of wondering with that in mind, you know, of course, with Ekman Larson being gone and, and losing that contract, it's great from the contract side. But as far as losing those two key pieces at forward and your top six in Dvorak and Garland, I mean, are there any young guys that are going to be able to step up and to fill that void? Um, and also just generally speaking, just your take on losing those two as pretty key pieces of the puzzle for the past couple of years for the Coyotes. I was not happy at all to lose Garland, to be honest with you. And the fact that he was the only one that actually gave some type of, of passion and energy into this team um, for honestly, like the past two seasons. And the fact that it just last season, especially was one that no one seemed to give a shit the way that he gave a shit. And he was able to actually add some grit to this team that they haven't had in a while either. And the fact that they've always been, you know, on the smaller side, and he even he doesn't have the most size, but he was still pissing people off like and he was pissing off really gritty teams like uh, like the Golden Knights. So and the fact that you have a player like that who is is great on the ice, off the ice and can really contribute for you at the same time was really disappointing to lose him. And it, and it was always disappointing to lose Dvorak. Dvorak had, was a great leader off the ice as well and, and was great on the ice. So it was disappointing to lose two of them but we definitely knew we were going to get into these situations because how can you not in these situations it's always kind of a dump everything and run so um 
we still have Jacob Chikrin, and I think that's kind of who everyone wants to build around for the most part. So um, I, I would say that those were so much more disappointing than Oliver Ekman Larson ever was. Yeah. So you guys, um, I think you've also mentioned uh, the uh, a Taylor Hall trade. We met. We also made a an ill-advised Taylor Hall trade that did not or not trade, but signed him. Didn't pay off. Um, and then I actually made a bad Taylor Hall trade when we traded him away for nothing. So I guess we did both do that. But another interesting trade you guys made a couple of years ago was for Phil Kessel. And he's still around. I, I, there was rumblings I heard early in the summer that he was, you know, not super interested in, in a rebuild. So what are, what are uh, the organizations stand with Kessel at the moment? It certainly seems to be headed the direction of a trade of some sort in at least probably by the trade deadline. I don't think he finishes the entire season. I think you're right. Phil doesn't want to be part of another rebuild. We know him and Rick Tockett were super close from their time in Pittsburgh. Part of the reason why I think Phil wanted to come to Arizona in the first place was, was Rick. Rick Tockett is now gone. He's now going to uh, work on, I, I believe, at TNT, if I'm not mistaken, um, this season oh, yeah. as an analyst. And um and so, and there's been rumblings with him for a while um, and linking him to a trade. He's still got that no move clause so he can choose where to go. And I'm curious if we don't see something by the start of the regular season, definitely by the trade deadline, Phil Kessel's days as a coyote are numbered. And I'm curious as to why more teams haven't called about him because I felt like his past season, I, I felt like he finally found his game with the coyotes. He played really well. He was a key piece of the Cowboys. He was one of their best goal scorers. He was one of their top end point scorers as well. And, you know, he seemed to be enjoying the season, right? And he was healthy last season, which was huge because his first was riddled with injury. And so I I do think we'll see a Kessel trade at some point this season for sure. Nice, nice. Um, So also Corey touched on this, this earlier. Uh, the arena situation. Obviously, there's been issues, for, you know, from the outside. That a lot of times when the Coyotes are in the national news for the past ten years, it's been about arenas or about different things like that. So, can you guys give more of an overview uh, for what what exactly is going on and what could uh, happen going forward with that? Uh, gosh, um, where do I even start? Um, long story <laughs> short, uh, once the coyotes had moved down here they were in downtown they were in downtown for a while um ended up after while moving to uh glendale um glendale was never fully happy with the fact that they were there never really found a big benefit to them being there um which led later to a giant town hall um with both sides of them basically arguing um for and against the coyotes being there even all of like the the businesses that were around in westgate where uh, the arena is were arguing for it all of the fans were um all of the youth hockey programs were there um uh, as someone who grew grew up around a lot of um hockey here in, in the state and watched it grow and whatnot um it was actually kind of interesting because there's a lot of people that like you knew that you could actually watch at those town hall meetings and a, a, a lot of um, really deep support came out during those. And it was kind of a turning point to where um, the state really rallied behind hockey and really rallied behind the Coyotes 
but um, Glendale never really fully got over it. There was always a rift in between the two. There was things that wouldn't get fixed and things that just kind of um, got stagnant in between the two of them and they just never really forgave each other. It, it was always known that the Coyotes were gonna try and move somewhere else eventually. Um, they hired a, um, they actually even hired someone to go and look at land for the arena. We've gone back and forth for forever on different pieces of land and why they could and couldn't work according to, you know, um, some of its reservation land, some of its land that needs to be renovated and so, so on and so forth. But they, so they went through all of that and then it just kind of dropped off for a while. We all kind of were like, you know, until we hear about, um, until we hear about like actual shovels being put into the ground, we're not going to believe any of it. So after we went through all of that, they started doing year to year contracts with Glendale. So that way, if they found something, they could just basically end it with Glendale. However, this is where I think it kind of gets lost for a lot of people. People think that Glendale doesn't want them there. They actually want them to sign an 18 year lease. And the thing is, uh, the Coyotes don't want to be there for another almost 20 years because of the fact that they've had so many problems with Glendale and um, their fan base is much more located um, on the eastern side of the valley instead of the western side of the valley. So they want to move over that way and they don't want to do that. And so at that point, Glendale said, we can't make a, um, an agreement here because we need a long-term one. And so um, that is where the, that kind of split off. And um, now the Coyotes are kind of rushing to see where they will be after next season. And um, we'll, we have a strong feeling it will probably be in a Colise old Coliseum downtown, uh, in downtown area um, that used to be, host a bunch of different sports, including um, a, a hockey team that we had years and years ago. So um, that's kind of the Cliff Notes version of a very complicated um, story, I guess you could say. Yeah, that was that was very good, very detailed for just being off the top of your, your head there. Do you have anything to add to that, Richie? Yeah, just quickly, the latest on that situation. Back uh, a couple weeks ago, the team confirmed that they submitted a bid for a new piece of land in the city of Tempe. That's the one that's been reported on recently and the details of which completely under wraps. The city can't see anything. The team can't see anything. We won't know anything about it until likely later this year. Um, if and or slash when the city of Tempe agrees to um, the bid that was placed by the Coyotes. And so we're kind of in a holding pattern right now as negotiations continue with the team in the city. But uh, we do know that the team submitted a bid, and this seems to be the closest they've ever been to actually getting a new arena built. And, you know, it's probably still two, probably still three years away from moving into a new arena. So they got to find a place to play in the, in the interim. But, you know, for now, things are looking up. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. So. You, we talked about at the beginning here how uh, both of our both of our rebuilds failed, uh, our most recent ones, and I think you guys mentioned it, and we we both hear the same thing: the accelerated timeline thing, and how both teams definitely botched their timelines uh, in the middle of the last decade. So, going forward, you guys have 
Chikrin, like you mentioned, you have Clayton Keller, you have a whole bunch of picks, and you might even have more after a potential Kessel trade. You'll have a bunch of cap space, I assume, soon, uh, and you'll you don't have you know a lot currently on the NHL roster besides that. But where do you see the timeline going from here? Where do you see potentially making a push for a playoff spot? So I'd say I'd say twenty twenty four. And it just so happens that that lines up pretty perfectly, not only with the new arena, but the free agency of a certain player who was born in the state of Arizona, <laughs> grew up playing hockey here in the state of Arizona, um, probably sick and tired of playing for the team that he's playing for now because they can mm-hmm. never fucking win. Uh, Austin Matthews, ladies and gentlemen. So that's what that's every Coyotes fan's pipe dream is that the John Tavares 2.0 happens again. And that Austin Matthews leaves in free agency, comes back to Arizona, and he is one of the players that opens up the brand new building with all these younger players and prospects. And uh, and that's that's like that's like our little like light at the end of the tunnel, like um, lighthouse that we're kind of seeing. And it's a pipe dream right now, but I hope it works. Hey, I wouldn't mind seeing him out of the division. Agree with me. I'm actually curious too, on that note, I mean, I know a lot of times in our home markets, we kind of hear more about little rumblings and ins and outs of, of what's going on and everything. And I'm just curious, even in like an interview or anything, have you guys ever heard or have there ever been rumblings that that actually might be a legitimate possibility that he would ever want to come home and play there? I, I, mean, I don't I'm... think so. I kind of recall him being on record about it. If anything, then he would be like super hockey player-esque right and just be like well that's what i yeah the hockey maple leaf yeah the hockey guy version of it at least being like oh who wouldn't love to play for their home team but i'm a you know some i don't know i was just curious i mean he he does love it here he really likes you know being in arizona he's always a coyotes fan i i can't imagine that that wouldn't be one of his his dreams to do but at the same time he's such a high profile and high talent player you have to go where you're going to be able to win something so uh i i feel like he not toronto he will only become a homer when he can get out of there if the coyotes are good enough to actually get him somewhere fair enough fair enough well taylor uh do you have any any final questions for our guests before we sign off um not really. So actually I do. So we, we do a thing at the end of every episode where we name a, just a random former Sabre. Uh, maybe people haven't thought of in a while. Do you have any random former Coyotes you'd like to mention? Yes. Yes. Corey knows exactly where I'm going to go. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. I could have chosen Keith Yandel off the bat and it would have been totally fine. I'm not going down that, that stereotypical road. You can't go down your stereotypical road. Oh, I am because he's a former Sabre too. Toby Reader. Oh, Toby Reader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very nice. Corey, who do you got? If I'm going to go with my stereotypical, it's going to be Keith Yandel. Hey, well, you know what? Taylor and I have a stereotypical saber that we talk about almost every episode who also happens to be a former coyote. Thank you for our good friend, Daniel Briere. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah Daniel yeah. Briere. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I did. I'd like to just say now when I mentioned what you guys have currently in NHL, I should have mentioned Johan Larson, one of our uh, oh. favorite under, you know, low-key former Sabres. 
Yeah, he's a nice little player. Nice analytics he's a, he's darling a, on the fourth. Yeah, line. he's a perfect. <laughs> he's a perfect fourth line like penalty killing guy. Like yep. he's fine. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. We had a great fourth line two years ago, and then he left, and then we didn't have a good fourth line. Funny how that happens. <laughs> Who would have thought replacing any like decently good player with Cody Eakin wouldn't work out? Oops. Really, what a concept. <laughs> And as for Denny Breer, I have actually met him in person. He's a very nice man. So, oh, nice. very nice. He is. So my, I encourage honestly, your guys honestly, love. God, my favorite hockey player ever. <laughs> yeah, he he's a very nice. So. Yeah, he's uh he's he's a legend here in Buffalo to say the least. Everybody who is like a pretty much like all like '90s babies who grew up through the 2000s, uh, Danny Briere holds a special place in all of our hearts. So again, thank you, thank you for him, and we hope you guys enjoyed Chris Gratton for for that little stint he had and returned. <laughs> Forgettable, I'm sure, at least. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, all right. Before we sign off here, Corey and Richie, can you guys just give yourself a little bit of a plug? Tell everybody where they can find you on social media, where they can listen to you and uh, your personal profiles as well. Sure. Uh, we have actually started a brand new segment on our show. It's called Sporty Spirits. Every week on our show, we are testing out and trying a celebrity-based alcohol in a cocktail. Um, last week, we tried some aviation gin and made something called the South Side. It was delicious. You can go watch that up on our YouTube page if you search for Sporty with Corey and Richie. This week, we decided to make a cocktail with Brothers Bond Bourbon, which is the brainchild of two former actors from the show Vampire Diaries, which Corey and I both love, Paul Wesley and Ian Sommerholder. So we're going to try that out. You can check that on YouTube, I'm sure, by the time this episode drops here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show. On Instagram is at Corey Richie Show. My personal handle is at rflores91. Corey's on Twitter is at Corey Nicole with to ease and uh yeah subscribe to our youtube channel because we're gonna have a lot more content coming up here as we get approach the regular season too excellent well thank you both so much for coming on we really appreciate it and thank you for the great insight you gave there we'll definitely have to circle back with each other and see how we're uh how we're both faring mid-season this year but again everybody you heard them make sure you're following Corey and richie on their respective social media platforms subscribe to them on youtube and on your streaming platform of choice also make sure you're checking us out straight up sabers on facebook and instagram on twitter you could find us at straight sabers make sure you're also checking out the hockey podcast network at hockeypodnet Go to their website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com to find both of our shows along with all of our other podcasts, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And make sure you are checking out DraftKings. As we had said at the top of this episode, DraftKings is a sponsor of this podcast. And make sure you are using promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Once again, that's promo code THPN. Again, Corey and Richie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you all for listening very much. We'll be back with a new episode on Thursday. This has been Straight Up Sabres.